Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in once again. We got another great episode on the way. I'm going to get started with another classic embarrassing story. I swear I have too many of those lately, but here we are again. And then we also have Casey Bennett joining us as well. So it should be a great episode. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Oh, fellas, thanks for joining me this week. It's been a t- it's been a tough week for me. <laughs> well, why is that, Tom? Oh, Jack. Oh, Jack. Wouldn't you like to know? Um, well, I'm, I embarrass myself enough on this show, I think, so I don't really care at this point. It's just a fact of life. But Jack, uh, you know me. I share I share a good deal about myself on this podcast. I feel like through the ups and the downs and the rejection of photos versus the good times and all that kind of funny <laughs> stuff. But I knew this day was coming, Jack. But believe it or not. I was looking in the mirror probably on Thursday of last week, and I caught a glimpse to be what I thought was a gray hair on my head. No. I'm not joking. On the on the right side of my head, I swear to you, I saw something no. shimmering, and I was like, oh, no, it's happening. So then no. I'm like, Dad. He's like, what? I'm like, is this a gray hair? And he just starts laughing immediately. He's like, you're done. It's over. I was still in denial at this point, right? I'm like, ah, maybe it's like blonde. Maybe it just looks weird in the light right now. I don't know. So forget about it for a couple of days. And then this morning I go to get my hair cut, right? And uh, this girl who was cutting my hair, she's cut it a couple of times before. So like I'm comfortable enough to ask her questions and stuff. And so we were kind of wrapping up and I was like, did you see any gray hairs in there? Because I swear I saw one in the mirror last week. And she goes, oh, you got one back here for sure. <laughs> I was like, you oh, gotta no. be kidding me. <laughs> who do you, I want to know audience listening, the thousands of you listening at home. Has anybody here gotten gray hair at the age of 23? That's how old I am right now. And this is in my genes. I knew it was coming because my dad was gray early as well. But can you believe that, Jack? Can you believe that? That is so tough. That is so tough. You're not that far off from buying like the the touch of gray box from Target. Well, you know, touching up your own hair. You know, my head started spinning. I was driving home from that haircut and I'm like, I'm going to have gray hair like soon. (laughs) Who knows? But I feel like I'm just going to embrace the gray. I feel like I'm not going to do the whole dye your hair, touch of gray, garbage. I don't know. I feel like I'm just going to try to rock it. I I'm mean, not going to have like full-blown gray hair probably within the next yeah, 10 years. No, but I'm no. definitely going to get some some salt and pepper action, I think, sooner than we think. I mean, why 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 not just be yourself, you know? Like, what's the point of faking it? Like, if you got gray hair, let's rock some gray hair. I That's right? kind of... I like I'm thinking it's it's funny now in my head thinking about like having some some splashes of gray on the sides of my head when yeah. it actually becomes a reality it might not be that funny um mm-hmm. and maybe I'll hate the way it looks but I think I might just rock it or maybe I just dye my hair like platinum silver and just go silver fox and just totally embrace it well here's you know let's take some positive positives out of this um it could be worse you could uh, be losing your hair you know yes, at least you still have true. your hair uh, I had a roommate actually my roommate um, freshman year of college was already bald uh, and that was like mostly it was it was by choice really but like to be honest with you the kid looked better bald than he did well, when he had he hair because forced, his hair was so thin probably got forced into the bald yeah the shaving the and, head which is unfortunate and yeah at like you know 19 years old Mm-hmm. or whatever like being bald well, already I've seen that's that. tough. I've, it's definitely tough and you know i if i had to pick one or the other i'd probably pick maybe gray over bald but like i have seen kids at our age or younger you know that are starting to lose their hairlines a bit or receding hairlines end up shaving their head or or, or whatnot wearing hats that kind of thing but 
I haven't seen many gray hairs, if I'm being honest. Nor is have there, I heard of people. Is I, I, there, Googled, um, I did a Google search this morning. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. But I Googled, like, when do people get gray hair? And it was, like, usually, like, in your mid-30s, you'll start seeing some grays. I'm like, mid-30s? <laughs> like, 23. <laughs> Yikes. Is there is there any science backing, like, because I've heard people say, because I like to wear hats, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard people say that it's not great for your you know, the health of your hair Probably and not. can lead to, to hair loss. I I, I want to know if there's any um, science on that. We're actually joined by Casey Bennett on this podcast. Casey, what's your hey, what's your scientific uh, opinion on that? That matter. On hair. <laughs> yes. On hair. Oh, I don't know. I've I've had, uh, well, I guess a few of my classmates from high school have already had the displeasure of uh, experiencing receding hairlines, and it kind of, it's tough to see them have to go through that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Always tough. It is definitely tough, and I feel for those people. I think this is funny because I joke with guys like Jimmy Norp, and a lot of guys across the league have like heard me call myself old, and I feel old, and this and that, because it is true in a lot of senses when, like, we are on the older side of the players in the league, like guys like Dallas Allen and Trey Flood and Casey, who are a little bit younger, who I spend a lot of time around in the summer. So, like, I do feel like the old guy a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, I always call myself old man Tom, old man Tom. And, like, they're always like, ah, Tom, you're not old. You're only this age, you're only this age. I'm like, I got gray hair now, guys. I think this fits the old man Tom <laughs> nickname perfectly. It definitely fits it. Or you're just manifesting it by saying it all the time. And that's why you're growing gray hair. So, you think I caused this and brought this upon Could myself? Be. Could be. I sure hope we'll not, but we'll see how quickly <laughs> things progress here. Last week, I swear I had no gray hairs. Now, then I had one. Now, the girl cutting my hair says I got at least two. So, I don't know. We'll see how quickly these things multiply and stay tuned. For all we know, I might be just full-blown silver fox on opening day. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, my God. Imagine it happens that sight. fast. Like, I just go full gray, like, out of nowhere. Overnight, I wake up every day with another gray hair, and it's, like, insane. You could just, you could just do a bit, just, like, at, like, just wear, like, a wig on opening day and be like, yeah, guys, <laughs> you don't full want gray. under there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I come in with like, no, it's like dyed jet black. It's just a jet black yeah. hair. Nice, long, beautiful. I'm like, yeah, guys, it's not dyed. It's not dyed. But anyways, uh, um, I thought I'd share that with you guys. Uh, as you know, I like to embarrass myself on this pod. I think it, it entertains everybody else. So, so, uh, my pain and embarrassment brings laughs to others. That's what it's all about. I think, but to get back on track here, we do have a special guest today, as we alluded to, and as Jack referenced for some uh, possible hair intel, which we, we <laughs> failed to get. But Casey Bennett joins us of the downtown Diamondbacks. Casey, uh, thanks for coming on the pod tonight. Of course, Tom. Glad to be back. And Casey is, I know, one of the stronger MLW players that is a fan and listener of the podcast, so we do appreciate that. And he listens right along with you guys at home uh, week after week. And I even turn to Casey for advice sometimes on the pod. I'm like, I know you listen every week. Like, what do you think works? What do you think you don't like? You do like, what do you want to see more of and that kind of stuff? So Casey, Casey helps out when he can with the pod. But the reason we wanted to bring Casey in today is because oftentimes in this podcast, when we bring on rookies of MLW or new players of MLW, like I've asked um, all those guys, I usually ask, like, you know, what has it been like to transition into MLW? And what's that experience been like for you coming from watching it to actually playing in it? I ask those questions a lot and we get, you know, a quick you know, minute or two response from the guys, and I think it's really cool. So I wanted to kind of dive deeper into that with Casey a little bit and really talk about the transition from being a fan of MLW, which Casey was, to um, transitioning into his role as a rookie on the D-backs now, which was 
not a super involved role as a player, but he was there like a fly on the wall, and I think he can provide a lot of insight to people as to what it's kind of like behind the scenes, which you know many people out there listening to this podcast do not have that perspective. So I thought this could be perfect. Yeah, excited to have you on, Casey. Can't wait to uh, to hear your thoughts on all this. So, Casey, Jack and I have prepared some questions for you. Um, I, what I want to know is to take us all the way back to the beginning. Um, I know you got your feet wet in MLW when you attended your first ever MLW tournament in 2021. That's correct, right? Uh, that is actually not correct. Uh, I went to the first Midwest Slugfest back in 2020. I don't think you were there, Tom. So, yes, I was not there because I was ill when that one was happening. So you attended the Midwest Slugfest both years it's happened. Yeah. So 2020 was your first tournament experience. I was not there to meet you, unfortunately. But how closely were you following MLW prior to playing in that first tournament in 2020? Uh, I'd say pretty close. I mean, when I kind of marked my calendar every time a video came out, it was kind of exciting to get off school. I was in high school at the time. I get off school on Fridays and all of a sudden an MLW video would be out there. Good way to start the weekend. Um, Kind of followed you guys all the way back in 2017, I think. And big Mallards fan, Tom. Good. Glad. Back then. And uh, I guess I just kind of over the years kept watching your videos and kept being more interested in it. Of course, props to Kyle for the production quality going up every year and keeping me coming back every year. Uh, and I'm kind of, I'm glad it's led to this. Cool. I, I knew you were a fan for a couple of years, but I didn't know how far back it actually went for you. But a couple of years before that first tournament. And yeah. so I'm sure like, were you a little bit nervous showing up that first day to meet some of these guys that you've been playing with or that you've been watching? I mean, on the internet. Uh, a little bit. I mean, nervous, maybe a little bit. I was probably more excited because it was cool just to think I've spent all these years watching you, uh, uh, you guys, um, just getting to meet you and kind of pick your brains. I was excited actually to meet Kyle mostly because I had been in, I'm interested currently still in kind of the sports media world. And I mean, Kyle's kind of immersed himself in that. So just getting to pick his brain at the first tournament, which I remember going up to him and asking him some questions about his experiences. Um, uh, so yeah, it was probably more excitement than nerves. Cool. What were some of your, uh, what were some of your impressions of the guys that you met at that first tournament, you know, based on what you had seen online on the YouTube channel versus meeting them actually in person? Uh, I, I can actually, I think Drew actually umped my first ever game at a tournament. He's, he's exactly as advertised chaotic. <laughs> he's good personality. Uh, the one person I didn't expect to meet there or the two people, I guess, or I guess three, uh, it was Jimmy Jonah and Gus, who no one even knew at the time Gus was on their team together, but little did I know. Two years down the line, I'd be traveling the country with them. Mm -hmm. well, that's what I was going to say. Like, So how did this... So you attended this tournament twice. I, I know I saw you kind of chit-chatting with Jimmy Norp in 2021 at both the tournaments you went to. So how did this bond kind of form between you guys at the tournaments? Where did that come from? Uh, between me and Jimmy? Mm -hmm. Well, I think at the first tournament in Midwest, so after... Um, I mean, 2020, I just met all the guys. I didn't really 
you know, didn't really think much of it and came back in 2021, kind of rebranded the team I brought, the infamous Grasshoppers. <laughs> the Hoppers. We, we performed a lot better than I thought we would. It was kind of a shock. And it wasn't just Jimmy, it was him and uh, Nick actually kept coming up to me and they were throwing around the idea of being a possible draft candidate, which I'm not sure Kyle was too amused about. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that it's, to a, a fan. it's always a little scary too when we we knew you were living pretty far away, right? But yeah, and we always ask people, you know, we ask questions to kids about if they want to play, like do they have their own league? What do they do? We always try to gauge just people's experiences with wiffle ball, right? I think that's a good, just easy conversation to have with someone at a wiffle ball tournament, someone you may not know previously. So I think it's a I think it's a fair question to ask. And Sailor's a guy who will talk to anyone, literally anybody. Oh yeah. So it doesn't surprise me he was involved in those conversations as well. Uh, speaking of Nick too, um, I think that year my team lost in the semifinals before making it to the championship. And like, as I was about to leave, I think Nick ran over to me and asked me just straight up, like, what are you doing next weekend? I'm like, why, why is this guy asking me this? Uh, he's like, we are other tournament. The wiffle and the mitten is the next weekend. You've got to come. And I'm just like, well, if. If he's inviting me, I'll try to throw a team together, throw something at the wall. Uh, so I got two of my teammates, and I'm just like, hey, next weekend, we had a lot of fun this weekend. Why don't we try to run it back next weekend? So, I mean, within like this was a Sunday night, and we would have had to leave on like Friday since for anyone who doesn't know, I live like six hours away from all you guys. Mm-hmm. So we'd have to like get a hotel for the weekend, you know, register for the tournament, which I think we only had a day left to do at that point. Uh, and I, things just fell into place and we ended up going and uh, the whiffle in the mitten, uh, my, my team performed very well. Yes, you did. Whatever reason. No, uh, it's funny you bring that up, and I I didn't know like Nick gave you that invitation, but I vaguely remember like seeing you on the phone with your teammates like on that Sunday in Illinois, like, "Yo, we're gonna play next weekend too if you guys want." And I was like, "What are these guys doing? Like, they're gonna drive six hours next weekend to play again." <laughs> like, it always baffles me to see the interest in the players like that high to keep continuing to come to these tournaments. I know they're fun, right? Like, I see the kids having fun and stuff like that. But like you have one in your hometown, right? So to see you then want to travel a week later to do it again, but this time drive six hours out of your way, like baffles me always. So when I heard you on the phone, I was like, is this guy serious? They're going to come next weekend too? But I think it's cool. It's awesome. That's that's some commitment for sure. That's what we're looking for, you know, for people coming into MLW are the ones who are actually going to be committed to it and take it seriously. So mm-hmm. I think that was probably something that the guys, you know, you bonded with at these tournaments recognized in you early on, as well as obviously, you know, you and your teams play throughout these tournaments. But uh, what for you, Casey, when, when did you kind of realize that, you know, you actually had a realistic shot at being drafted and initiated into MLW? Okay. So first, before I answer that, I just want to give a quick shout out to my teammates, Miles and Jackson of the Hoppers. They'd be mad if I didn't. Nice. Fair. They helped me a lot in getting me to the point uh, I was at, or I guess we were at. Um, But the Saturday, Saturday's the day that the pool play games are held. We won both of those. So we were one of the top seeds. And then I think we went in the next day to face Tom. Oh, yeah. Old Tom. Tom, Mr. Schultz. Before, this was pre-gray hair, correct? 
Correct. This was before I had any gray hairs, to my knowledge. Maybe the hoppers are what put the gray hairs on your head, Tom. <laughs> too soon, man. It's too soon. Uh, if I'm remembering right, we beat you guys, and then we were... Us. I wasn't going to say that. Well, I'll say it. After we beat you guys, we were slotted to play like this actual this like i don't know they were like a past national it was like it was caden's it was national the, team it was the like wscm team yes yeah these guys are like freaks like i think <laughs> their pitcher we faced nick lalio or something i don't want to botch that name but he was in like the top 20 in the drop the drops like that yearly thing that comes out mm-hmm. the rankings. ranking with football players yeah he was in the top 20 and um I don't, we, we were just scrappy. We somehow, some way beat these guys. The game ended, I think I said four to three, if I remember. And kind of at that moment, I'm like, did we just beat that team of like, <laughs> like legitimate top talent in the country? Hey, what does Sailor always say, Jack? You gotta play the games. Gotta play the games. Gotta play the games. That's why we play the games. Then I think we had another game after that against... I think it was Jackson Jackson's team, Pearson. Then after we won that game, we went on to play Nick, Jimmy, Kyle, and um Jonah, probably. I don't think it was I don't think Jonah was at that tournament, though. I could be wrong. That was it was I a team of MLW guys, including Kyle yeah, and Jimmy. Yeah. So that's like but that was the biggest test. We weren't able to pull that one out, but just being able to compete against them and kind of hang with them. I just kind of left the legacy center in Brighton. Just like, I mean, if, if, if I'm getting invited to this tournament, then I kind of showed up and played well. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe down the road, there's a chance. That's cool. That's cool. Well, props to you for coming out and doing that. And I was, I was glad you guys played well. Um, and yeah, you, you killed my team. I was with Mr. Schultz and Brendan Schultz. And I think Clayton Price's dad, we got, we got tore up by you guys, but, um, it was definitely fun. Like that was like the highlight of the weekend was watching you guys kind of both weekends actually making your little run to I think what was either both championships or a semifinal and a championship. You guys played well in both of them. Um, your team, both you and your teammates, were hitting the crap out of the ball and, and throwing for the most part strikes and being patient. You know, like you said you guys were uh, you were chippy. You know, you were forcing guys to throw strikes and to beat you versus beating yourselves and that kind of stuff. And it led to a couple successful weekends. So you kind of got yourself on on Jimmy's radar. And I remember Jimmy was expressing interest in, in drafting you. I think mostly because, like I said, you guys seem to have like a good relationship as friends at these tournaments, and he knew you were a dedicated guy. So you get picked up, and this is when you know your MLW wiffle ball journey sort of begins. After watching the league for what seems like about four years, based on what you told me, four or five seasons prior. So I'm sure that was a little weird making that transition and showing up at the Meadows opening day and being there for a game, let alone hitting a walk-off home run in that game. <laughs> I already We already talked about that in this podcast, about how surreal that moment must have been for you. I, I wouldn't mind you touching on it again, to be honest. What a great story. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? Uh, it, when I first got there, like the competition in the league is no joke that I came to realize very quickly. It, the first thing I noticed, I think I've said it before, was the mound distance is ridiculously close. You have no time to even think twice about swinging the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, other than that home run, I really didn't do a whole lot all season. But 
Hey, that's more than I, some did, though. I'll tell you what, that's that's like a staple moment. It got it definitely got kind of overshadowed because it was early in the year, and like Jack and I talk about, a lot of times the things that happened last get remembered the most. But that's in my head is like a standout moment from the season, I think. I mean, that's got to be one of the biggest surprises of the year. I think like the year previous, the year prior, you could say like the the Jordan Curdy home run was kind of like the underdog moment of the season. I would give mm-hmm. that to you for, for the 2022 campaign. Do you agree, Jack? Oh, yeah. Hands down. There's a, It seems like there's always, you know, a couple, one or two moments like that in MLW season. And I agree with you, Tom. I think um, I even kind of forgot about that a little bit, honestly, before you mentioned it again, because it happened so long ago. But that was insane. I It was those moments are just like you can't you can't write those. You can't, can't script those. And then, you know, they're just they're so cool for everyone involved and the viewers as well. That's why we play the games right there. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys could hear the genuine shock in my... I was the one announcing and commentating that game, the play-by-play. And the shock in my voice is 100% legitimate, you know? I, I am very focused on calling the game and filming the game and that kind of stuff. But, of course, I am still watching. So I'm observing and seeing Casey up there, and I'm like, I don't think he's touching Kyle today. Like, it's so tough to transition and stuff like that. And when you hit that ball, my jaw just dropped for a second. I don't even think I spoke. And the ball went over the fence and that, it all hit me. I'm like, he just did a walk off. And I started <laughs> freaking out. I was like, this is absolutely unbelievable. And it, right away, I'm like, this league is just too good to be true sometimes. Like the, the moments that happen sometimes feel so scripted. It's unbelievable. But um, the reactions you could tell were just so raw. Jimmy started freaking out and yelling. And Casey, you were all fired up. And like I said, Looking back on it, like that was one of the cooler moments of the season, but so much happened after that that I think it kind of got swept under the rug in people's memories and stuff like that. But what a moment. If you guys don't remember that, um, pause this podcast right now, head over to YouTube and, and watch that clip back from the 2022 opening day video. What an electric moment of the season. But yeah, I would say, um, honestly speaking, that was probably uh, like your, that was your big moment of the year as a player, right? You also pitched at Mini Wrigley, which was cool. Um, Little Wrigley, I should say. But then you kind of um, did kind of take a back seat on the D-backs as the the core roster continued to play. But it put you it put you in a pretty cool scenario. Like I said, as a longtime fan of the league, as kind of this fly on the wall, watching not only M- the MLW season as a player and experiencing as a player, but also watching the D-backs journey come from zero to hero in 2022. So I just want to kind of talk about that with you as to like what observations you made throughout the season, being on the D backs and being at the meadows and what surprised you, um, what kind of shifted your perspective about MLW as a whole versus what you saw on camera and, and that kind of stuff. Any thoughts on that? Uh, kind of the most eye opening thing was just how much like the guys in the league care. Of course, I'm, I'm also really competitive. I know there's that side of people where, I mean, anything with competition will get them fired up, but just the way Jimmy specifically would carry himself through like the playoffs. And even when we were like, what was it? Two and seven to start the season, mm-hmm. how frustrated he got and just how like motivated he was to, to write the ship and uh, to kind of go through the playoffs as the underdog and kind of surprise everyone. I guess that was just interesting to me to see really just how much he really cared about it. So what's he like? Like, what do you think someone who's watching Norp and his journey uh, in the postseason, like, what's he really like before the game, during the game? How intense is Jimmy Norp? It's so hard to get a read on him sometimes. <laughs> um, because, like, before he'll get there, he'll he'll either be talking a bunch 
or he'll just be locked in. I mean, he can flip a switch so quick. I remember one time in a game, like he got out of a big jam in like one of the playoff games and I'm sitting on the bench and he comes back. (laughs) I I just, I started saying like, good job to him or something. He's like, don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I think I've heard that story. (laughs) Probably just straight face. Yeah. I actually think Jimmy is captured pretty darn well on camera. What you kind of see is what you get with that guy. You can tell that he's kind of a goofball, right? You know, he's he's a quirky guy. You know, he has his superstitions and the things he does, and you can tell by, like, his routine and the way he rounds the bases after a home run is always the same. And, um, you know, the way he carries himself on the mound is always pretty similar, and he doesn't show a lot of emotion until the inning is over. I think all of that kind of encompasses Jimmy's personality pretty well. And I think people who watch the videos can get a pretty good sense of um, – of what he's like as a guy, in my opinion. For sure. I think I think uh like you said earlier in the in the podcast, Casey, that Drew was pretty much as advertised on film. I think Jimmy kind of falls in that line as well. Um I'm kind of just curious, like you, you mentioned the you know, Jimmy's competitiveness and and other people in the league. Obviously everyone, you know, wants to win just as bad. Um, but like your your perspective of the of the league did it kind of change once you were you know you kind of have your first impressions we talked about that but as you were able to kind of get to know the guys more and really be a part of it for like a full season um and you know have your team make it all the way to the world series like did your perspective of the league kind of change as you went along i don't know if i would say my perspective changed i mean the league the league was kind of as I expected it in a way. I just kind of, as the season went on, learned more about like how it's actually like a business really. And uh, how you guys are trying to run everything. Um, uh, like from the video standpoint and just down to the last detail with every video. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I think so, that's so interesting, you do, though. Yeah. So you you noticed more and more kind of the emphasis on how important the actual content is that we're capturing while these games are being played. Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah, I I think you wouldn't really notice that in the video too much. I'm sure it stresses the players out sometimes, like when we're trying to get certain shots before the game, stuff like that. During the once the game starts, though, it's pretty much just game on. You know, there's not too much interruptions that happens due to. Um, you know, cameras and that kind of stuff. We're, we're pretty good at it or we've gotten better for sure. But I know like pregame and postgame, sometimes that's when I'm sure um, players feel like they're getting tugged and pulled different ways to make sure that we get certain shots and stuff like that for pregame and postgame. So I'm sure that was a bit weird. Not just like different for you to see based on like what you've been watching throughout the years. You know, what's what's I'll just I just wanted to comment one thing on that because um, I think that's an interesting point, Casey. I certainly noticed that I've noticed that throughout the years that I've been in MLW, you know, when I first came into the league, it was like, I think we had a GoPro and then we had, um, like the, the camera behind the plate and maybe I, I think we actually had a GoPro on the strike zone at one point, like on the top of it, it was kind mm-hmm. of a cool view, but really it was like, we showed up and we played and the and they turned the cameras on and then they turned them off like that was like pretty much it and now it's like you know tom like you guys do a very good job obviously where it's you know not necessarily a distraction from the actual game 
but it's just like the little things where it's like, oh, we got to get like a, a thumbnail or like we got to get the Instagram like pictures, mm-hmm. like got to get this person with the jersey. And you guys do it like so quick and you do such a good job of it. And then like we see it later, like weeks later after obviously we played that series in real time, like weeks later, it comes out on the internet, on social media and on YouTube. And it's just like, it's cool to notice all the little things and how they actually ended up, you know, in that Instagram post, right? Mm -hmm. Like all those pictures seem like, um, I don't know, like some of them seem like they just like happen to be caught, you know, like it was like a good picture that happened to be caught, but like a lot of them are, you know, either your idea, Tommy, or like Kyle's idea of like, this would be a good picture. Like, let me get this person involved. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's just cool. It's like Casey, you saying that just kind of made me reflect and think about that over the years in the league, how much it's changed. Cause it really was like the first, I remember the first series I showed up to, it was like, Alec like handed me a Jersey for the predators. And then I was like, it's play ball. I was like, (laughs) that's beautiful. (laughs) Okay. I guess we're doing it. I mean, eventually hopefully we get back to that point, Jack, to where like we have a big enough camera crew to like seamlessly capture, um, all of like the warmups and that kind of stuff before the game where we don't need to like have guys do something a second time or, and that kind of stuff or have this person hit again or whatever it is. Um, but during the game, like I said, we're pretty good now. The only delays you might see for fans that are watching at home is like maybe like a GoPro battery needs to be changed or a camera battery needs to be changed. That can cause like a 15 second delay. Um, like Jack said, when we don't have a photographer on hand, sometimes we need to, you know, step on the field for a second to capture a quick photo. When we do have a photographer on hand, Brendan Baker, shout out to him. Um, then that all happens seamlessly as well while the game's going on. So it's really just um, getting more and more resources there to capture things as they're happening. Happening that will create you know more organic content. But of course, you know nothing's free. Whether it's more camera equipment, more camera men, more photographers, having a photographer there more frequently. Um, these are all you know expenses to the business that we're hoping to uh, be able to expand upon. Given that the content gets gets more eyes on it, that's what allows us to do. You know the, the better the Videos will get better and better as time goes on, given that the audience will grow. You know what I mean? Because then we can reinvest more into the content. So, Very true. Casey, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was your traveling experiences. Because I know you were lucky enough to go to both the mini MLB series in Vermont versus also going to SoFi Stadium in LA. So two different sides of the country, two drastically different cities. Um, just talk about some insider info on that and what those experiences were like as a player for you, for those at home who are watching and, and seeing it on YouTube. Uh, well, first, starting with the Vermont series, uh, I remember when we were first talking about going there and uh, all the like uh, discussing like how we were going to get there, like the, both teams. Um, and when Jimmy told me for the first time that him and Mike decided to drive, I looked at him and I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> you had the choice of flying he's like yeah and I'm like and you chose to drive he's like yeah and i was just dumbfounded but anyways uh i had to drive up to michigan which the drive from where i live in the middle of illinois to michigan is really not that bad it's, you always it's kinda, say that and it always blows my mind <laughs> It's, it's kind of therapeutic, and I mean, it's fun to be up there, so it's worth it in the end. Good, I'm glad. But uh, driving up to Michigan one night, staying at Jimmy's house, I believe, and then we left the next day after him and Mike got off work, and it was us three, Jonah and Gus in a car for like 
I don't know how long is that in a car? Like long time, like twelve hours, yeah. I think. I had a absolute blast. <laughs> what what are those D back car rides like with Gus? Of course, who's a Cobra, but uh, what goes on in those long car rides? Well, Mike and Jim and Jonah all like to um fart a lot. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gus Gus drove a lot of the way playing his terrible music. His music taste sucks. Oh, shots um, fired at Gus. Whoa. <laughs> wow. I'll have to get Gus on here. So far, so far, we have a fart box with terrible music <laughs> playing for 12 hours. Yeah, he said it was a blast, so let's yeah. see where this is headed. <laughs> well, then I had to get on aux and everything was alright. Oh, Bennett had to save the day. Um, There is one story. I'm not sure if this was on the way there or the way back, but I had like a little thing, a container of peanuts that I had on the ride. Actually, this was definitely on the way back. So, because in the hotel that we stayed in Vermont, Jimmy and Mike kept trying to flip it and land it, Mm -hmm. uh, the container. And so they kept doing that and the lid cracked. So as, as we were on our way back, I'm eating the peanuts. I'm holding in my hand. Jim just swats the peanut container out of my hand, just without warning. And all of a sudden the peanuts, the lid breaks and the peanuts are just all over the back of the rental car. That's my rental car. Come on, man. (laughs) So we had to pull actually it was over. in your guys' name, I think. So, yeah, we had to pull over at a gas station and vacuum it all out. Well, it, it, these car rides are just very chaotic, but they're they're a lot. That, of fun that seems very back. fitting. They're just a goofy group of guys. Um, I went over to uh, out to Livonia, where those most of the D-backs players live, Livonia, Michigan. It's Metro Detroit, and I had to get their signatures on some balls to sell on the merchandise website. And we were at Jimmy's house and Jimmy had a coffee table that was from like one of his relatives that he was going to give to Shima for Shima to put in his new apartment. It was a cool coffee table. It was like a coffee table that was a wooden frame. um, And then it had a glass like top to it. But beneath the glass within the coffee table was like a little mini two stick foosball table. It was pretty cool. It was a foosball table embedded in a coffee table. So anyway, Shima and Jonah are like, all right, we'll put this in Shima's car and then we'll meet you guys over at the apartment. I'm like, all right, sounds good. Me and Jimmy are like hung up inside. We're loading up all the balls into the boxes and we're cleaning up this Patreon video he did. We walk outside and I hear those two dying laughing, Shima and Jonah. And I'm like, what's going on? We come around the corner, like past Jimmy's little hedges he had in his front lawn and the glass from that table is just shattered in the street <laughs> everywhere. Like it was thick glass. Like it looks like a giant explosion happened. And I just see those two goofballs laughing with the table on its side. And I'm like, what happened? They're like, I didn't know the glass was going to fall out of the top. It's like the glass wasn't uh, like it's not. Yeah, it just slid it's off. Just, it's just on top of it. Yeah, so if you turn it over, it just falls off. And they didn't know that. On top of that, this coffee table had zero chance of fitting inside of Shima's Ford Fusion. <laughs> like, there was no way he was getting that in his back seat in the first place. So then I'm watching those two struggle with it with no glass on it. Jimmy's sweeping up the glass. And I'm like, all right, just throw this thing in my car. I'll drive it for you. 
And then you guys can go to like Henderson Glass and buy new glass for this thing. But just that was me for one hour with those guys. Those are the kind of goofballs they are. They do silly stuff like that and, and make funny mistakes. Clumsy group, but funny, funny, funny. But overall, um, you know, going to L.A. was a bit more of an extended trip, right? We were out there for a couple of days. We had to fly to that one. Um, was that uh, like kind of surreal for you? Strange for you doing something like that? Oh yeah, I I had no idea why I was there. I it was just kind of all a whirlwind. Just back, I mean, I think we had a big call, Zoom call in like July or something, announcing to everyone in the league that we were going to go out there. And I'm like, well, we're like two and seven right now. We're not gonna <laughs> we're not going there. All of a sudden, we start make the playoffs, start winning. I'm like, hold then, on. Then Jimmy Norp happened. Yeah, sorry, Tom. That's the way she goes. That's the way she goes. So with with all your experiences this year, obviously you you know luckily got to travel out to Vermont, got to travel out to L.A. Uh, you know, experience one of the coolest stadiums in the in the country out there. If you could share, kind of you know, if you could share some details of of one moment that you had with an MLW super fan, you know, from any of the experiences so far that you've had in the league. Could you pick one? Uh, I guess. What are you looking for when you say experience? Like, so, like, if you could talk about one moment in time that you've experienced this year in MLW and share that with like a huge MLW fan, you know, someone who watches all the videos, what's one thing you think that someone would find cool? I guess just kind of the experience that uh, sits in my head a lot when I think back on the season is just us walking through the tunnel. And just seeing the whole field and all the stands of SoFi Stadium, the glass ceiling, the uprights and the crossbars and all that. Um, just seeing everything and just like, whoa, this league that I've been watching for like half decade now is big time. And I'm part of it and just feel so blessed. Mm-hmm. Well said. I agree. That was a surreal moment. Um, and to be honest with you, which is sad, like I don't even remember what I was thinking at that point in time. It definitely is like a shock, right? But that that whole, you know, 48 to 72 hours, whatever that trip was, was such a whirlwind that um, I just can't believe we did it. You know what I mean? So I'm sure it was a similar experience for you just looking back on it and thinking about how that actually happened. But yeah, I totally agree. Going down to, going down to field level and, and setting foot on the turf and thinking like, we're here and this is actually happening uh, was pretty wild. So I think that's well said. And I would love to give that uh, story to any MLW fan out there talking about how, you know, just, just from walking in to going down to meeting the people to setting up the field, all that kind of stuff was, was so cool. So glad you got to experience it, Casey. Um, you definitely had a wild ride in the last year. I think uh, a lot of people, you know, would, would love to experience what you have. And I hope that more people out there that watch our content one day can, can be a part of this league and to showcase their talents and that kind of stuff. So um Keep coming to tournaments, fans, right? KC is living proof that uh, it can happen. It can happen. And uh, uh, thanks for joining us, KC. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks, KC. Any closing words, Jack? Uh, I I just, not really. I, that was really good conversation, I think, all around. Uh, we, we've, kind of like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Tom, we've like, sort of touched on these questions with with some of the rookies uh throughout our podcasting but haven't really had like a full in-depth interview 
with any one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think Casey was very uh, unique in, you know, the fact that just his overall experience played a little bit, uh, watched a lot, got to be a part of, you know, a World Series team, traveled to two different places throughout the year. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 excited for you, Casey. Excited for the Diamondbacks, and it was a pleasure having you on. I think what's cool about Casey here is it just shows like how many pieces there are to the MLW puzzle, right? Because yeah. Casey's just one guy, one player. Um, all these players in the league that play their part to to make this whole thing happen and make it possible. And like Casey was saying, you know, he was driving back and forth from Illinois for every game. He was road tripping over to Vermont. He was flying to LA. He was doing all this kind of stuff, playing in tournaments. And this was all just. Um, one person in the larger equation of MLW and you know the, the each person that plays their role whether it's Kyle Schultz editing YouTube videos or some kid a 12 year old who played in our tournament in Texas every single person you know plays a part in, in making MLW so special and how special it is and Casey who didn't really play that large of a role you know on this D-backs roster but was still a part of it and actually won them a game on opening day um just showing the dedication of, of all these players and, and how much uh, these guys do to make MLW possible. I think this is a cool a cool way to shed light on that. Absolutely. So, appreciate you joining us, Casey. Before we wrap up here, I also want to give a quick shout-out to Brendan Jorgensen for correctly picking the Bengals over the Bills. Uh, I did not nice see job, that coming. Jordy. Great job, Jorgie. I give you a shout-out on Instagram as well for that one, I think. But, well played. That's why we brought on the expert, right, Jack? That's why we had him on in the first oh, yeah. place. That's why it was calculated. Oh, yeah. He knows what he's mm-hmm. talking about, but we'll see what happens this week in the NFC Championship games. But until then, and until next Tuesday, that's a wrap. Casey, thanks again for joining us. Um, could be a big pod next Tuesday. You may or may not see a little video pod. We'll see. I don't want to make any promises, but could be a big pod next week. So stay tuned for that. Daniel Schultz likes to go camping alone. We'll catch you guys next week. Oh, 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 oh,